0: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: You know, when a, um, when a coach is mad, there's two types of volumes. There's the over-the-top yeller, the screamer, the throw-the-sticks-on-the-ice, the, the, the kick-the-garbage-can. That's one type of coach, and we've all seen that type of coach. You know what kind of angry coach I like? I like the brooding, simmering, more low-key silent assassin-style angry coach. We've seen both. Uh, we saw one last night. I want to get to this Bruce Cassidy clip yesterday. By the way, New Jersey Devils beat the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Tyler Toffoli with the overtime heroics, and Tyler Toffoli with the hat trick there. Um, not pleased, not impressed. Bruce Cassidy, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. Have a listen. This is postgame after his Golden Knights lost the New Jersey Devils. Bruce, how do you digest that one when you look at it from a bird's eye view? Well, it's
0: going to be a tough one to digest, Ashley, so let me know where you want to start.
1: A lot of the players pointed to turnovers and puck management. What's the process of correcting that?
0: Well, that's on the players. When they go over the boards, they make decisions with the puck. We've talked about that enough. It's getting to the point of the season where we should be better. Um, We basically played a beer league game out there. We thought it was free season, I guess, and... um, You know, we weren't, we didn't defend to our, you know, to our structure or principles at all. Uh, The plays we made right up to the last goal were careless, disrespectful to the game. So, you know, at the end of the day, we lose and it's it's what we deserve if we're going to play like that. Um, It's unfortunate because it spoiled a good offensive effort for a couple of lines that worked hard and played the right way, played below the goal line, got pucks deep, and they're a veteran group. So they had their issues the other night, they corrected them, and... And um, did a good job for us. But uh, at the end of the day, just, uh, yeah, poor execution and poor attention to detail uh, offensively.
1: With a little bit of disappointed dad in there too, right? I'm not angry at you, son. I'm just, I'm just disappointed. Now, I was always told, and I believe Elliot's the same way, and he's going to join me here in a couple of moments. I've always been told that the worst thing you can say to a hockey player is to call him or her soft. The worst thing you can say to a player. And I wonder about the worst thing you can say about a team. Uh, and I wonder where Beer League fits into that. I wonder where disrespecting the game fits into that. Again, a combination of simmering, brooding dad, also disappointed father. Bruce Cassidy, not impressed with the effort last night by the Vegas golden knights uh i would imagine that todd mcclellan of the uh, los angeles kings probably not impressed with his team either they lose uh, in a shootout against the san jose sharks capo by the way 44 saves in that performance that was outstanding by him the la kings don't look now but they've now lost 11 of their last 13 games and whatever player goes on the ice i can't help but to think to myself i'm going to assume that this player is healthy until we know otherwise, I assume that every player on the ice is healthy or as healthy as you can be this deep into the season. But it does very much look like something is up with Anse Kopitar of the Los Angeles Kings. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts. And Hockey Night in Canada joins me now. Uh, Elliot, before you came on, I played the the disappointed dad press clip uh, last night. Bruce Cassidy, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, not too thrilled at the Tyler Toffoli hat trick, not too thrilled that his team lost to the New Jersey Devils, and just not too thrilled at all about his Vegas Golden Knights, uh, saying they played a beer league game and were disrespectful to the game, the way that they played. Bruce Cassidy, Elliot, not mincing words last night
2: no um it's you know it's interesting there the um the when we saw them over new year in seattle for the winter classic there was definitely a feeling of there's no need to panic um
3: yeah we
2: know what we've got here we've got a very mature team they know what it takes to win and i don't think they're panicking or anything but their depth Bruce Cassidy is definitely in a place where it's like, okay, it's time to play a lot more seriously and get back to good habits. Um, You know, they, and it's happened a couple of times. They played poorly in that game we saw. And then they've had a couple of really rough games since then. You know, it doesn't help that I was out. Obviously he's a huge part of your team, but You know, the the Golden Knights haven't gotten to where they expect themselves to be. And, you know, a good team's now, you know, you kind of get through the early season. You want to start well. You want to get through the year playing as best you can. You're you're going to recognize there's going to be down points. But you get to a point where you start to say, okay, we've got to get into the habits that win you the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And it's and the way Cassidy is talking. It seems to me that it's it's time to get back into those habits. Um, I, you know, I I, I, I I watching that game last night. You know, when, when there was a time that Vegas appeared to be in control, and those aren't the games when they're on their best. They don't they don't lose those games. New Jersey was on the ropes. Their goaltender was yeah. on the ropes and they didn't deliver the knockout
1: punch. Uh, How much, and you already sort of hinted at it, and we'll move on to the New Jersey side of this and talk about their general manager with a new extension in a couple of seconds, but how much do you look at Vegas this year and say, uh, it's not just that it's injuries, but it's been injuries to every single position. There have been injuries to goaltenders, injuries on the blue line, and as you mentioned, Jack Eichel and others, uh, injuries up front as well. How much of that do we need to sort of... Take everything with um, Vegas's record and say grain of salt. They've been injured at every position.
2: Well, I, I think there's truth to that, but I think what happened last night is is kind of bigger than that because I think what Cassie say is, look, like we were down, mm-hmm. came back, and we took the lead. They were up, what five to three after in the middle of the second period, and. You know they score what four goals in 12 minutes, and then you know you, you score with you score with 52 seconds left in the period. You're sitting there and you're saying we're in really good shape here, and then you give up a goal. You give up a goal 36 seconds later. So to fully gives the Devils some life going into the third, and you're annoyed about that goal. And then you give up the time goal and you lose the game in overtime and three on three is a crap shoot. Like anything yeah. can happen there. But I, I think what Cassidy's saying is when you're up five, three in the last minute of the second period, the first thing you don't do is you don't give up a goal with, you know, in the right before the end of the period. And you just don't lose that game. And, and I think, it's not about injuries. I think every coach understands injuries. It's about habits and the way
1: you're playing. Okay, other end of the rink, uh, the winning side, the um, New Jersey Devils. Tyler Foley with the, uh, the hat trick in overtime. 16th comeback of the season for the New Jersey Devils. That uh, is yeah. first uh, in the NHL. Uh, Devils two points out of a wild card spot. And today we get the news that Tom Fitzgerald, general manager of the Devils, has signed a contract extension. Also has a shiny new title. President of Hockey Operations. Whenever a move like this happens, it sort of gives us a chance to to take a pause and have a look at the body of work uh, that that general manager has laid before us. Uh, Your thoughts on Tom Fitzgerald and what he's been able to do with the Devils up until now in this contract extension.
2: Well, I I think this. I I think that in general, like for all the problems that the Devils may have this year, and they've had some problems, particularly defensively, I generally think they're going in the right direction and that's kind of how you judge these things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Is the team, like, is is someone comes to the end of their contract and Fitzgerald was coming to the end of his contract, um, uh, you know, he was, uh, you look at the overall health of the team. And like I said, I think for the most part, they're going the right way. Um, Jack Hughes' contract is one of the best-valued contracts in the league. Yep. Um, If you take a look at the Devils, Um, You know, he sure was signed by Ray Shiro. He was the GM at the time when when that one happened. Uh, Hughes was under Fitzgerald. And, you know, those are two really good contracts to your top two centers that were RFAs at the time. Um, You know, where New Jersey has spent uh, their biggest money has been on the UFAs, which is kind of the way it goes. Um, You know, do you use the... You use the force of the CBA a bit more against your RFAs, if you can, than the UFAs. They had to pay more for Hamilton. Uh-huh. They had to pay more for Meyer. That's the way it goes. But they found really good value deals for Hisher and Hughes, although, as mentioned, Hisher was, was Ray Shiro. I think, you know, you know like they had a very interesting decision uh, last summer on Ryan Graves. They had a very interesting decision last summer on Damon Severson. And you know, they they decided not to keep those players for the deals that those players got on the open market, and what I, I think that those decisions have generally proved to be right, although it's left them holes. Like that's like that's the big challenge here. You look at you look at it and you say, do we like the value of these contracts? Yes, then we keep the players. No, we don't like the value of those contracts. But you, what you forget is you lose the players and the roles that they played, and and New Jersey's still trying to figure that out, but you can make an argument that those were prudent decisions, and obviously you've got this whole thing in gold that you've got to sort out here, Mm -hmm. and and they're going to try to do that. I think the really interesting thing for me is, um, is, Jeff, is this gives another example of what life is like on both sides of the border in the NHL, okay? So Tom Fitzgerald, I I think he's in the last year of his current deal. Uh, The Devils don't like to talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But that just could not really happen in Canada without there being a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's funny. You know, I was talking about this with someone when this happened. Um, you You know how we had a podcast a couple weeks ago about, you know, people were like, talk about the U.S. teams more. I, I think yeah. one of the more fascinating media stories in the league and I don't like it. I don't think it's, it's good for the sport is that it just a lot. And when it comes to attention, a lot of the, the skills seem to be even more tipped towards the Canadian teams now, particularly here. I don't know if it's a, a media cutback thing or a, um, because there's a lot of really good people covering the sport, mm. but this person and he works for a U.S. based team said that he thinks that the disparity of quote unquote noise between the Canadian teams and the U S team, it, the U S teams is even greater than it's ever been. And he thinks it allows, like it allows the U S teams to work in a kind of silence that the Canadian teams don't get. And he thinks it's a, a bigger advantage than ever for some of these American teams because they they can do their business a lot quieter.
1: Uh, I was wondering, too, let's take that one step further. How much does that give U.S.-based teams more of an advantage signing free agents? Like, look, we just saw Corey Corey Perry sign with the Edmonton Oilers. So that's contrary to what we're we're thinking in this conversation here. But, you know, how much considering, you know, listen, Brian Brick would always tell us you'd be surprised how many Canadian kids have all the Canadian teams on their no-trade list. I mean, how much of an advantage is that when they go free agent shopping, knowing that you know hockey players can go make money sometimes in a tax-free state and go somewhere quieter?
2: Yeah, you know what? I, I, I we've talked about that from time to time. Um, I, I think we, uh, I, I think that definitely is the case. Um, uh, d- d- definitely is the case. To be honest. Um, but it, I, I, I don't know. I, we were kind of talking about it. We were wondering if it's more, um, just like the way the media business is going in, in, on mm. some level, you know, there was one of the teams that came in recently, you know, they just, it was funny. It's a, it's a U S based team. And they said to me at this, at the morning skate, it just seems like it's less even here in Toronto. And, you know, I was looking at it and I was thinking, yeah, you're right. In the heyday it, it probably was, mm. um, but you know he he like he's he was even talking about that when we were joking on the podcast. But we got to talk about some of the American teams more. He said he thinks the disparity is is greater than ever, and he just doesn't think like you remember last year. True Living was in his last year in Calgary. Yep. It was a it was a season long story, and you know Fitzgerald. I think this was like I have to. I'm not Harper. He he like. He just said to me, like, these extensions for executives, they, they, they don't come out of nowhere in Canada like they do in the States. And I don't know if it really means anything, Jeff, mm. but he was talking about it like um, it's just he thinks that, I mean, I don't even know if I'm right. This is purely anecdotal, but I just thought it was interesting. He was making the point that he seems to think there's less noise than ever. In some US markets, and a lot more noise in Canadian markets. So, I don't know if it means anything.
1: I just thought it was interesting. Interesting observation. Uh, okay. How much noise is there right now in Los Angeles and around the team and around the coaching staff? I don't want to say that it's exactly like what we saw Friday when the Islanders lost to the Blackhawks. Um, and, you know, the next day, Lane Lambert lost his job. And uh, that ushered in the, the new Patrick Watt era on Long Island. But, Los Angeles Kings lose to the San Jose Sharks uh, last night. Uh, yeah. the San Jose had two different leads in this one. Um, four to three is the final score. The Los Angeles Kings now have lost 11 of their last 13. I mentioned just before you came on, I assume when a player's on the ice that they're as healthy as they can be, you know, this late into January. No one's in in perfect health. Uh, but it does look like something is up, something is down. Difference, I know he's not exactly twenty five anymore with onse Coizarari. Your thoughts on the king's situation right now, I mean Edmonton's caught him like Edmonton's right there the Edmonton story is fantastic, and they're playing again tonight, but l a and what's going on there right now? that team looks much different than the one we saw to kick off the season
2: well i I think this is another example of kind of what we're talking about um is that um You know Dubois, he got called out by McClellan post game last night, and um, you know, again, it it was this. uh, Actually, this came up in the conversation I was I was telling you about. He was saying if Dubois was still in Winnipeg, for example, there's there's no way he'd be able to get away with this, and it would have happened Mm. much sooner. And um, you know, Dubois is a real polarizing guy. Um you know there are people who you, you know i i find it very hard um, to criticize people for bending the will of the c b a to their advantage um you know like mm-hmm. for example if if you know as employ as no, as as a person who's a member of a workforce, I could make the same decisions that pierre luc dubois did, so I find it very hard to be critical of him for using the CBA to his advantage. What I do recognize is that, as you say, uh, people don't, our dogs don't bark at parked cars. Yep. So when you do things like that, if you don't deliver, the heat comes harder at you. And like, I don't think like people root for Dubois or fail to, to fail or anything like that. But I think. Some hockey fans, especially fans of teams like the Blue Jackets and the Jets, right. they're not going to be afraid to celebrate it if it doesn't work. And not everybody's going to like the way that he uses the, that he you know used the CBA to his advantage. It's kind of like Lindros, right? Like there were people who like depends on what side you were there. Either you supported what he did or you didn't, and there were people who didn't, and they kind of held it against him for years. And I just think with Dubois, um, you know, like uh, McClellan hasn't been as sharp in his criticism until yesterday, but he hasn't played very well. And, um, you know, people notice just because of everything he's been through. I mean, that's a guy who's got to deliver. And he's got to deliver because he's an important player on their team. He's got to deliver because he's got a big contract. So in a cap world, you need him to deliver. And to be honest, Jeff, I I think there are just people who, you know, because they don't like the way he's left two teams, Mm -hmm. they like to see him struggle, and he becomes that much more of a lightning rod. But, you know, like, again, you know, he's he's one of their most important players. He's one of their highest-paid players. That's the place he's wanted to go. He's got to deliver, and he hasn't done it so far
1: this year. Uh, where does this go with the Los Angeles Kings now? Do you think, like do you, when you when you watch the camp I mean, obviously they're they're losing a lot of games right now. But do they look different to you?
2: Well, you know what? You know what's going on there is, um, you know, I, I was watching Doughty last night. It, it, you know, it just seemed like he never left the ice. He ended up playing twenty eight minutes, mm-hmm. and but the the thing that was amazing to me is he played. You don't see this a lot. He played eight more minutes than any other L.A. defenseman. Gavrikov was next at at 20 minutes. And um, you know, one thing that's going on there is that Clark, like Clark, and Spence haven't both played often. Yeah. Matt Roy couldn't play last night for the best of reasons. His family was yep. welcoming a child into the world, and so both those guys played. Like I, like I, I see a situation out there where. They've got veterans they really like. They've got some young kids like Byfield who are really making the jump. And they've got some other players yet that they fully don't trust yet,
3: Jeff. Mm
2: -hmm. And, um, you know, like, you know, like one of the situations I'm watching there was Kaliev. Um, He didn't play again last night. Um, He, I really thought earlier in the year. He was finding a role that was really comfortable for him. He's been in and out of the lineup. I'm sure he's frustrated. I'm sure they're frustrated. But I was watching that game last night, and like, I'm thinking, like there's a guy who can score a huge goal for you, and he's not there. So what I see with a the team there is there's, there's like, we talk about Kopitar. To me, it's simple. The coach believes he's got players he can trust. And there 's players that he can 't one hundred percent trust yet,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: unfortunately i 'm not talking about Kolpear; some of the players he can really trust aren 't playing very well right now
1: uh, also around the NHL yesterday uh, Boston over the Winnipeg Jets by a final score of four to one there 's that number yeah. so for the first time uh, in thirty four games, the Winnipeg Jets have allowed more. Than three goals, just an, an absolutely outstanding number uh, for the Winnipeg yeah. Jets. No Shafley, no Velarde in this one. Jake DeBrusque uh, scores a really nice, uh, great aggressive play by him. Short-handed goal. The Bruins win four to one. Uh, just your thoughts on you know this this weird you know de- defensive streak that the Winnipeg Jets uh, have been on thirty four games not allowing more than three goals in a game. Your thoughts on that one?
2: Well, I love what Dylan DeMello said post game. It doesn't count because it was an empty netter. I thought yeah. that was like <laughs> a, a guy hoped I would say something when he said that. Yeah. I was like, I, w- I would hope I would say something like that after after a game. Mm. You, you know what? Well, I mean, look, it's it's almost half the season, right? It's incredible. Yeah. Um, the thing that I really loved last night about that was so I'm watching the end of that game, and with the empty net, the Bruins could have scored two or three times in the empty net before they did. And the jets were all over them. Like, and it wasn't, it was like, it was a one goal game. It was already a two goal game. It was three, one and the empty netter And the jets did not make that easy. And, and what it, it said, two things to me, and I'm going to ask them about it. The players tomorrow at their morning state here, but it, it really said two things to me. And that was um, number one, Um, that that streak really mattered to them. And number two, that even in a game they knew they had a 99% chance of losing, they stayed with it right to the end. And I I just really like that. I mean, I think you learn a lot more about a team sometimes in defeat than you do about victory. Mm -hmm. And it it kind of is a small thing, Jeff, but to me it was a big thing that Boston had some great chances on an empty net and Winnipeg really made them work for it. Yeah. I, I really like
1: that. Um, all right. Uh, tonight, we will see Patrick Waugh behind the bench for the New York Islanders. Uh, once again, game two, they face off against the Vegas Golden Knights. That is uh, uh, maybe is not as juicy as what we'll see on Thursday when Patrick Waugh returns to Montreal with his Islanders to face off against the Montreal Canadiens. Nonetheless, uh, what did you make of the Islanders putting out a note yesterday saying that Benoit de Roger, who's the uh, head coach of Gatineau and the QMJHL, former assistant coach, uh, with Patrick Wall with the Quebec Ramparts, they won a Memorial Cup together. Putting out a note saying that there has been no hiring. Now we know that Patrick is planning on bringing on an assistant of his choice, um, but the uh, the note uh, the note was very specific that Lou Laborello had made no decisions. Your thoughts on this one?
2: I I I laughed my head off when I saw that statement. <laughs> I I I really did. I I just said I just said. You know what we're getting reminded here? Lou Lamorello is deciding when this is happening, yeah. not 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 Patrick Law, not the Quebec Ramparts or their coaching staff or anybody, or not uh, a very good and well-connected reporter uh, from Quebec. Nobody mm-hmm. is deciding this. I'm deciding this. Um, you know, I think I've kind of told this story before, but um, in when they traded Corey Schneider to the Devils. Uh, I knew the night before I would gotten a really good tip that Snyder was going there the next day. And I went to uh, Mike Gillis, who was the GMN of the Canucks, and he flat out lied to me. You know, he did. He And he apologized the next day. Um, but, you know, I didn't go with it because I got a really firm denial. And, um, you know, I remember when the Devils had the pick and – uh, and Gary started doing Bettman, he's like, oh, I think you're going to want to hear this. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, like, is this actually it? And so they announced that Schneider was going there, and the, and the Canucks took Horvat. And, um, you know, Gillis apologized later, but he was like, we needed to make this deal. And he said, Lou Lamorello told us if it broke, the deal was off. Like, he says, if I'm walking up to the stage, And it said, it said told him if I'm walking up to the stage (laughs) and I hear this trade has been reported, I am saying to Gary Bettman, there is no deal, which you actually can't do. Like once it's in central registry, it's done, but he threatened them and they listened. And so he said, look, I, I couldn't risk it getting out. I couldn't risk the deal blowing up. We needed to move Schneider. We really wanted Bo Horvat. Like, you know, and you know what, Jeff, Mm -hmm. like, that's the way the business goes. That happens more than people realize. That's just life, and, uh, life in the media world. And um, but the, to me, when I saw that yesterday, I was like, Lou Amarillo is t- telling everyone things are happening mm-hmm. on my, our schedule, not anyone else's. Like last year when Horvath got traded, we mentioned uh, on the pod that we heard the Allenders were very deep in that deal. And they announced it that day. And someone said to me that the Islanders didn't like that for the first time they got kind of linked to him. And, you know, it just reminds you that it's a new world. It's a different world. You know, Ken Holland said yesterday it's harder to keep secrets. Mm -hmm. But there's some who are better than others, and he's one of them for sure.
1: Uh, We'll finish on that one. You mentioned Ken Holland. Uh, We'll finish on that one. Uh, Corey Perry yesterday, um, the announcement by the Edmonton Oilers and the the press conference as well. Now, Perry, you know, declining to talk about the Chicago situation as we expected. Uh, Just your thoughts on what we saw yesterday with uh, Corey Perry and, and Ken Holland, and you wonder what's next now um with the uh, with the Edmonton Oilers I checked in with uh, someone in Bakersfield yesterday and you know just to confirm like hey how good is is Campbell playing and he's playing really good down there right now just your thoughts on maybe on what we saw yesterday and and what's next for the Oilers
2: Yeah um well I mean look obviously Perry was was happy to be there um I'm always curious about the due diligence that that teams do here I mean, I think one of the things you really worry about is, um, look, like Corey Perry got the blessing from the NHL. They made it very clear yeah. that they weren't going to stand in the way. And I listened to Holland say yesterday. He spoke to Bill Daly about it. He spoke to Kyle Davidson about it. Um, and, um, you know, because one of the teams did say to me, and one of the things that kind of looked into Perry yesterday uh, said that, or told me yesterday that, yeah they still didn't have a, a great picture of what happened. And um, so, like, they were a little nervous about that. And I think another thing you always kind of worry about was, like, you know, like, is just, is there anything else out there? You really have to make sure in this day and age you do your, your due diligence. Um, you know, I still, but but I think that, you know, clearly the fact that, um, the Oilers heard from the league and from the former team themselves and still made the signing that they were comfortable enough with it. And I think they were, weren't were the only team that did. I just think, like, in this day and age, you're, you know, one of the things, you know, you're sitting there is you're always asking yourself, did we do enough? Did we do enough? Is there anything else we're missing here? Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Oilers were um, were the only team that were in on it. Um I think there were other teams there as well, but i, I know like that's just the one thing that, that 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 keeps you um uh from sleeping sometimes during doing all of this is that you're always wondering, you know, hey, did we do enough of the due diligence they are right. like, there's no question that he's a good player um there's no question he can help, and in his case, there's no doubt what help was the league was willing to say, look, like we're not going to stand in the way of this player because if they had given any kind of public or private indication that they weren't going to do it, then I I don't think Perry would be signed anywhere right now.
1: Excellent points. Uh, Lots to think about there. Um, Elliot, as always, thank you. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your day. We will catch up again on Thursday here on the program. Thanks so much, pal. All
2: right, Jeff. Take care, bud.